Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Now Pineda stalking here late in the round. There's that oh, one. that one hurt him. That one hurt him. He saw him buckle with that low kick. He's going to limit him to southpaw. Again. The oh. head is so oh. dang good. Oh! Oh! Welcome back, I'm Carl Mack and this is Combat Chronicles. Just a snippet today and a pretty big snippet um, as I thought you regular podcast listeners would love to hear my insights on the Israel Adesanya versus Alex Pereira rematch, one of many rematches. It's either number two or number four depending on who you ask and depending on what you think but for me it's number four. Um, if you want to hear the rest of my thoughts on the UFC card as well as deep dives into Tension Nasukawa's boxing debut, Ken Shiro making another successful defence of his light flyweight titles, Shakur Stevenson, Keyshawn Davis, and of course that shocking knockout of Sebastian Fundora. Head on over to the Combat Chronicles patron, www.patreon.com slash Combat Chronicles. Let's get started with UFC though, as the intro clip alluded to. It's obvious the main draw of this pod, the main thing we'll be talking about is the fourth, no, Yes, fourth fight between Israel Adesanya and Alex Pereira and their second MMA belt. As I'm sure you already know, if you didn't know from that clip, well, first and foremost, uh, sort of sorry for spoilers, but secondly, you're an idiot. Um, but if you didn't know from that clip or from any sort of social media, Israel Adesanya finally prevails over Alex Pereira by resounding highlight reel knockout that will at this point, I imagine, be knockout of the year at the end of year awards. I can't see anything that's going to top that in terms of aesthetic quality, uh, relevance, you know, sort of how meaningful it is, etc., high stakes, that sort of stuff, which I always take into account when looking at the end of year awards. You get any number of uh, flashy and brutal and beautiful knockouts on regional scenes, but there's nothing like two elite fighters going out and one of them getting poleaxed, is there? So let's talk about how that happened, why it happened, what it means, etc. 
this fight, there's so much to unpack. I don't know how much energy I'm going to have to uh, talk about the rest of the fight. So what you'll probably get is the episode will sound seamless. Well, as seamless as I can make it. I'll probably pop to the cinema to see the Pope's Exorcist in the interim and then come back hopefully fully charged after a hearty Easter meal. Make no bones about it, I thought it was pretty clear how the Sun could win. He's shown how he could win in their first kickboxing bout. I've said this multiple times. Uh, he showed it in the first fight. More on that comparison in a minute. But, you know, holding centre cage, not allowing himself to skirt back and uh, posture against the cage as he likes to do against so many other fighters doesn't work against Alex Pereira. Well, it shouldn't, anyway. Um, and it didn't uh, for moments in this fight. In the end, a moot point, but I still think it's worth looking at uh, in terms of uh, assessing about a uh, technical level, but also to sort of see who these fighters are and, and what we've learned from this bout. And what's really interesting about the end of this fight is that, yes, there is parallels to the first fight, and actually maybe this was a... A moot point in terms of needing another fight. If Izzy had done what I thought he should have done in the first fight, then this rematch never really needed to have happened. However, Adesanya has definitely learned lessons from uh, that first MMA bout and their other bouts. Um, I don't think he was ever quite as dynamic in this as he was in their first kickboxing bout, but of course he's matured. Uh, just knows how to hold centre cage better. One main criticism, of course, is that he does switch off. In this, he seemed very, very poised. Um, I loved the work in the opening round, which he did carry on into the second, but we'll get on to that second round in a minute because there was just more to talk about um, from both fighters in that round. But what I really liked early was uh, focusing on middle kicks from southpaw uh, stance from Adesanya and his setup today. So I think Pereira, the pair of them, is better at sort of no telling kicks he's always keeping his his eyes high you're focused on his hands he just brings that uh, back leg uh, just out nice and quick uh, I really would you know be terrified to see him fully commit the kicks because it just sounds like you know wood uh, smacking on wood he really is just a horrible hurtful kicker but Adesanya really smartly varying his uh, attacks and how he was launching those middle kicks Spoke about Corey Sandhagen last week in terms of the setups, and it's quite similar here. Um, he was sort of kicking from uh, southpaw stance, then box from orthodox. He did have a nice southpaw jab, but he'd box from orthodox and then transition into the uh, southpaw with sort of throwaways or right, shifting into southpaw uh, behind the cover of uh, a one-two or that kind of sticky jab that Miguel, long-time listener and excellent analyst for the fight site and on Twitter. Uh, Highlighted this week, it's a technique which I've always found synonymous with crunk fighters like Thomas Hearns and uh, Lennox Lewis when he was under the steward. Well, he was under Emmanuel Stewart's stewardship. Um, so yeah, that's a technique I think he's really great at implementing Adesanya, and that was what he was keeping Pereira smart with, making it more possible for him to hold centre cage. And the problem is, of course, you know, if your bad tendency is to go backwards and you're up against an absolute monster of a pressure fighter, you're kind of you know, shit on your own doorstep, essentially, making it harder for yourself than you need to. However, as we transition to that second round, we see Pereira do some excellent stuff to mitigate what Adesanya's doing, and that's why this win is just so, so impressive. You can tell from the second round onwards that Pereira's sort of trigger to go is when he feels uh, a hard connection. So either on a high kick or a low kick, Pereira goes, oh, okay, I felt that, that was significant, now I'm going to pressure. And when he goes into that pressure mode, he's a terrifying, terrifying fighter. He's got this kind of element of George Foreman to him, uh, where he's just moving you around, herding you into right position. And, you know, because he's so dynamic in terms of kicks, knees, obviously the left hook, uh, the jab's a powerful weapon, and that 
uh, right cross as well, you know, you really are in sort of no man's land when he starts pushing you back. And, you know, Adesanya retreated to the cage twice in the second round uh, in significant moments. And they were both of Alex Pereira's doing. So first time he, he lands sort of sounded like a grazing sort of high kick. And then Pereira goes into overdrive. He pushes the jab out. That pushes Adesanya back. He then uh, closes off Adesanya's exit to his left with a middle kick. And then, uh, obviously, then is corralling him over towards the left hook. And when that doesn't quite work, um, he, he pounds him with the right hand. And after that, Adesanya tries to push him back. And Pereira uses that collision to frame off uh, and then try and throw uh, a big right hand. Really, in real time, felt quite terrifying. Um... They're two big lumps, Pereira especially, and they're just missing each other, just whizzing. Um, there's definitely some significant work there from both guys. Um, just after that exchange, um, Pereira caught Adesanya with a left hook, and it looked like a pretty good one. But Adesanya did hold his ground. And the tail for the second sequence, which actually brought about the end of the fight, um, Pereira seemed to land a calf kick that definitely staggered Adesanya. And then Pereira pushed him back, uh, basically like just continuing to punch with Izzy so Adesanya tried to fend him off again with that middle kick and Pereira punched off that kick and, and landed a right hand to the body that pushed Adesanya back and then he started unleashing the full arsenal the knee the punches and Adesanya and this is very much a interesting uh, comparison I think people have made the comparison that I've seen a couple times today with the Pacquiao Marquez you know well if you keep going to the well eventually you're going to find something Actually, I don't think that's the greatest comparison, but in terms of styles, it's kind of important because the reason Juan Manuel Marquez is always able to compete with Manny Pacquiao is unlike so many others, he punched with him. The only time to uh, get with Pacquiao and to be able to land on him was to punch with him. If you wait, then he's just going to blitz you. And he very rarely uh, sort of let up anyway. If you punch with him, you would catch him overextending, you would catch him with his hands down, you would catch him in the midst of a flurry, you could start chipping away and landing significant blows. In Israel Adesanya, unlike in the uh, first MMA fight, was not going to be defined by Pereira backing up to the cage and battering him, essentially. And I think he kind of thought, well, it's a long night. If I don't sort of stave him off now, I've really got to make a stand. And he punched with him. I imagine ostensibly to create some space give him a chance to to uh, slip off the cage like he does when he skirts around the perimeter. But he caught him with a good one, caught him over the uh, with the right hand, and then caught him again behind the ear and flattened him. And essentially what I was getting at earlier was very much the same as the sequence at the end of the first round in their first MMA belt, which with a couple more seconds, Adesanya might have splattered Pereira, and we wouldn't be having this discussion right now. Talk today about how Pereira was overzealous. Notice who he is. He is a dangerous guy. He will come forward, try and take you out. And his work beforehand, as I say, the pressure in work, um, no different than usual. He's very, very good at this. He has got a tendency to turn away from right hands. Um, and we saw this in both uh, rounds in this fight. If you can sort of, if you mask him with your left hand and whip the right hand over, he will turn away. Let me roll with it. He will turn away. Um, I did wonder if Adesanya was going to try and hit him with a, a left high kick or something or, you know, throw a left uh, round kick anywhere. And Pereira dipping over to his own right would have seen him get clipped with it. But that's not what happened in the end. He, you know, Pereira turned away and did not see that follow-up blow, which hit him behind the ear. 
terrible place to get it, laid him out, and Adesanya, by means of being an aggressive counter-puncher, which is what I've said so often, is one of his best qualities. And you will create more counter-opportunities by forcing people into mistakes, by dictating the range, by dictating where the fight takes place, forcing people to open up. But against Pereira, who's so skilled, um, so poised, Adesanya, it really is a game of you know, inches or millimetres or milliseconds. And Adesanya basically was able to take an opportunity that not many people have got the physical capabilities, the athleticism, the timing, uh, speed, power, etc., etc., to do. You know, most people, if Alex Pereira has them against the cage layout or against the ropes, they get fucked up. So essentially, I've always said the way to beat Pereira is to push him back. Uh, Adesanya was able to do that and therefore limit the amount of times he's being pushed back, keeping his back off the cage. But when the going got tough and he was in a bad position, he had to improvise, was not able to do what he was trying to do, not able to maintain the range he wanted to maintain, not able to stop Pereira from marauding all over him, Adesanya pulled it out. That is the mark of a great champion. That is the mark of someone who's really versatile as an operator. So yeah, if the idea strategically was to stop uh, or to limit the, the times where Pereira's put you in bad situations, and tactically Adesanya was on point, as I say, was kicking game, uh, occupying Pereira's uh, line of vision with the jab to master right hand, pushing him back, forcing him to concede ground. You've got to limit the times Pereira gets on top of you. You're not going to stop it entirely, but, you know, it looked like at that point Pereira was getting on top of him. He was chipping away with the low kicks. Um, both fighters, you know, so skilled in terms of defensive work and their reactions to this sort of stuff that, you know, it's you know, first round, although it was fascinating to watch, a bit tepid at times, just sort of chipping away, little shots here and there. Both guys seeing what works. But in the second round, you know, Adesanya continuing to do what he was doing and doing it well. But there was just a couple of sequences where I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, he don't like this. Pereira's on top of him. He has very much so conquered the boogeyman, the boogeyman which has followed him around from two sports. Regardless what you think of the decision in the first fight, and I think that Adesanya was robbed, this is huge to have an official win, an emphatic knockout win. As I said earlier, going to be right up there with knockout of the year. Maybe it'll be this year's uh, uh, Usman Edwards 2. Obviously, you know, given how they're... I keep saying their first fight, their third fight, but their first mixed martial arts bout ended with Adesanya up against the cage, with Pereira swarming away over him, uh, beating him to a standstill. The fact that he stopped Pereira in a similar sequence, it's just, you know, I don't know if it's the right word, I hate this word, but it's serendipitous really, isn't it? It's, uh has an extra wrinkle to it, it's fascinating. It opens up so many possibilities. It makes their rivalry interesting again. It might well end their rivalry. I mean, I'm sure Pereira will be happy to be 3-1 and not have to cut to 185 anymore. He did win the UFC middleweight title. I'm sure he's content with that. And maybe if he does move to 205 and wins another bout, then Adesanya will again try and claim a uh, lightweight title. We know before he did against Jan Bohovic, didn't go well for him. The fight with Pereira is going to be a similar dynamic. Actually might make it a bit more interesting because... Maybe Anasani will put a bit more weight on. Maybe he won't. Maybe he looked like uh, we saw him against Jan. And Pereira will be even bigger. You know, that might have an extra wrinkle to it as well. It might well be that 36, I think Pereira is, or coming up to it, getting sparked out like this at this time of his life, might rob a little bit uh, of what made him so great and so scary. 
always thought he doesn't react brilliantly to getting hit, but he's not, you know, weak chinned or anything like that. But I've said a million times, it's not how you get knocked out sometimes, but when you get knocked out, and it was pretty brutal. Um, unlike in boxing, of course, follow up shots on the ground. Luckily, Adesanya only got one in before Dan Mergliotta pulled him off, but pretty savage KO, like, as I say, like in a physical sense. Um, was it a. Is it a regressive and progressive concussion when you get it around the front of the head and then the back of your head it's a mat? Um, yeah, bad stuff. But Pereira seemed okay after it. He seemed to have his faculties about him. Uh, interesting fact, actually. Uh, fact. Interesting point. I didn't notice, but in between rounds one and two, I was really sort of taken by how vocal Pereira was. Very much poised, very much, uh, you know, with it, talking about the fight in an analytical sense. Really, really interesting to see. You know, he was looking straight at Glover Teixeira and saying, look, yeah, I, I felt this, I can see this, etc. Taking it all in. So, bit of a contrast. You know, sometimes out of sound you can seem a bit aloof, but certainly um, what I thought after their last fight was that he wasn't doing what Eugene Behrman wanted him to do. For a quality uh, strategist like Eugene Behrman, there's no way that he would have wanted Adesanya to move backwards as much as he did in that last fight. And Behrman pretty much said as much. And Adesanya clearly listened. So, I think now we need to talk about Israel Adesanya's legacy because it ties into this fight. I think it's absolutely fascinating, the dynamic between these two, uh, that Alex Pereira has won a UFC middleweight title fight against basically the only guy that he's capable of beating. That Adesanya is probably more tactically... Or, well, just more geared up to take on more comers at 185. There are things that he's able to do against the likes of Robert Whitaker, Marvin Vittori, that Pereira might well struggle against. So, you know, for Pereira, really did sort of catch lightning in a bottle, having this built in rivalry that the UFC could market him on and, you know, got a title shot based off one win over a top five guy who was the only other guy. Maybe, yeah, sure, he would have splattered Darren Till or something like that, but. Even with 185 being so top-heavy, Strickland was the perfect foil. Loud, brash, well-known, and pretty shit at MMA compared to... Well, not at MMA, but certainly in terms of how you'd approach the sport of MMA against someone like Alex Pereira. Just lightning in a bottle stuff. But Israel Adesanya, based on the way he fights, had to overcome, essentially, the scariest guy in combat sports of said many a time on probably on this podcast but certainly on Twitter that you know for me Alex Pereira is the hardest hitter in combat sports alongside Deontay Wilder so in order to take out someone like that whilst having to fight in his wheelhouse because Alessandro's not a takedown threat not a trip threat um, only had extended periods uh, of ground control and, and ground work in their last fight because Alex Pereira's tendency to be overzealous in grappling phases, got this weird way of wanting to prove himself and has done since like his debut MMA bout years ago. So without those mistakes, and this essentially was just, we always say in MMA, oh, it's a bad kickboxing bout. No, this was an MMA bout where it's about as high level as uh, kickboxers of this size get. Um, so we, you know, it's great in that regard. But you understand you had to overcome Pereira, the boogeyman, and did it against the run of play. His first, you know, you know, tactically on point, that was working, and then, you know, 
tactics essentially went out the window as his you know, grand strategy was had a whole blast for it by the fact that Pereira was just trying to punch holes in him and pushed him back exactly where he didn't want to be. And Adesanya pulled it off. So I think it's the biggest win of his career. Obviously, the two fights Robert Whitaker against the most accomplished mixed martial artist that Adesanya's faced. Um, in terms of where he was in his career, obviously the Anderson Silva win, I don't think either guy looked particularly great in that one. There's a sort of degree of respect there. And also, you know, two guys like to hypnotise other fighters. It's a bit of a mess. Yoel Romero fights like that as well. Two sort of hypnotists staring at each other, um, both knowing each other's tricks and what they're trying to do. You're never going to get that guy under your spell. So they can sort of, you know, sort of, peter out into staring contests we hate to see those sort of fights but you know I would say for that reason alone Robert Whitaker in the second Adesanya fight was the sort of peak mixed martial artist that he's faced in terms of the adjustments that Whitaker made his ability to jab with Adesanya and just put him in positions he didn't want to be in but if you look at Pereira okay it's a one dimensional part of MMA just the striking hasn't got the threats uh, that Robert Whitaker's got elsewhere um, but is able to maximise that one dimension to the point that he stopped Adesanya. Winning the bout back is always important. To get that win back is great for a fighter's legacy. So I think if we're talking legacy now, we've got the fights with Whitaker. The first one a resounding knockout. Um, the second one a close decision. But why is a close decision against a fighter as good as Robert Whitaker a bad thing? I think it's a good thing. I think that fight could have went either way. That only proves the quality of Robert Whitaker, and uh, what's the right word? It elevates that first win for Adesanya. Because if Whitaker becomes a complete shell after that, you go, oh well, the Yoel fights clearly took a lot out of him. No, no, no. Robert Whitaker's still taking scalps on the regular. Um, some of the scalps that Adesanya's taken in a more impressive fashion. So, yeah, I think that's a really impressive couple of wins. Obviously, there are some, you know, just. I would say, what I call resume builders, Silver as well, and Tavares, Brunson, all fighters at different levels of their career, different levels of capabilities. Vittori's not a guy I'm particularly sold on, but he's beaten him twice as well. Paolo Costa is a head case, but dangerous head case, and Alessandro, one of his best title performances, in my opinion. And Yo Romero, that fight's awful, as I said, but Alessandro was able to uh, mitigate what Romero does well, and win the fight. Awful fight, sure. Did he deserve to win? Yeah, maybe. But at the end of the day, he was able to tame Yoel in a way that others aren't. They kind of tamed each other. And able to adapt and win that. Okay, low volume, horrible, like, you know, kicking base performance. But so many people have tamed Romero only to get their face fucking smashed in. So that's a quality that I think is important. That Adesanya can win when it's not looking good. That, okay, his stylistic boogeyman is not maybe as versatile as Anderson Silva's and Chris Weidman. But the fact he was able to overcome that and win that bout back is so important. And I think if we're looking to compare Adesanya to the great middleweights, really, Anderson Silva's his only competition, I think now we can see that he has beaten a sort of greater, uh, wider range of uh, quality stylists. I think that's fair to say. Um, I think that maybe some fans of Silvers, and actually not maybe, they actually did become 170 pounders essentially. Um, not the biggest guys. I think that you know, is he 
beaten a massive guy in Pereira. And I think stylistically as well, and it's a bit of a tangent here, and it's not really how I rank fighters, but if you're talking about you know being a takedown threat and having to stand on the feet and fight on the feet, Silva probably would have had to fight Pereira on the feet as well. I don't think it would have ended too well for him. So, you know, maybe the two greatest middleweights of all time would have been the only guys that uh, uh, Pereira could have uh, won the belt from. And maybe someone like Chow Sonnen would have been a fucking nightmare for Alex Pereira, much as he was for Silva, with Pereira having less a chance to take him out late. That's not important for rankings, of course. Just trying to sort of compare the two eras is obviously crossover. I mean, as I said, Adesanya and Silva have fought each other. But I think now Adesanya has proved himself against uh, more dangerous opposition. And uh, you know, Silva was essentially way above his, his opponents at the time. And in Pereira and Bobby Knuckles, Adesanya's got the stylistic foils that will basically make him out to be a greater fighter because he's had to overcome those challenges. Uh, as much as I rate Chael Sonnen in terms of just how relentless he was, all roided up and juiced up at the time, he was awkward on the feet, but you know he was mainly a, a top grappler who had mental lapses and as great as that rivalry was and as great as that fight was, I really do rank the first Silver Sonnen fight as one of the best of all time um, in terms of the drama uh, greatest of all time, rather the best, but the drama uh, and how it played out, and I just find it endlessly fascinating. When you, your best wins are like you know Chael Son and Rich Franklin, uh, important fighters for their time, but uh, and of course you know you've got the scouts at two hundred five as well. But really, in terms of their skill set, I'm not hundred percent sure that someone like Forrest Griffin is. Well, to put it lightly, would. Anderson Silva beating Jan Blachowicz for the 205 title. Would Alessandro lit up Forrest Griffin in similar fashion? I think maybe he would have done. So, you know, again, these sort of comparisons are only for era, not in terms of the accomplishments. But sort of when we're looking, and obviously 205 is, is irrelevant to the £185 discussion. I'm just trying to get a greater picture of who these guys are. I think they're 1A and 1B. But I think with this win and the how emphatic it was, you know, you're comparing... Uh, this win over Pereira, over essentially uh, Silva's win over Balfour. Obviously, Pereira's a better striker, but Balfour at that time and just after was an absolute menace on the feet. Again, athletic monster, storied career, um, but clearly did not have the ability to challenge Silva in the same way Pereira did Adesanya. Is that because Adesanya's a lesser fighter and unable to cope with Pereira? Or is that because Balfour is not as good at the things they needed to be against Anderson Silva? I therefore think Pereira is probably a better win than, than Vita Balfour. And Pereira's the fucking champion. Say what you will. So a couple wins over top five guys you know, in Adesanya and, and uh, Strickland. One of them being awful. But he was the champion. And he came in this fight looking very confident. He's a massive at the weight. Um, I think that's the kind of comparison you're making. And, and Adesanya now, he's fought fucking like what? Let me just count. Off the top of my head. Uh, interim title, Calvin Gaslam. Let's not count that. Whitaker 1. Whitaker 2. Vittori Costa. Right, Whitaker 1. Whitaker 2. It's a great podcast, isn't it? Whitaker 1. Whitaker 2. Vittori Costa. Romero. Pereira twice. Who am I missing? Cannoneer. And, of course, I've uh, expunged that from my memory. But, you know, there's already, what, five title defences, six title defences or whatever there. Obviously, Silva's got the record, but some of them were against fighters that 
you know, I wouldn't be surprised for Alessandri to beat, and Alessandri can still add a couple more. What are we saying? That he's got to get to 10 to beat Silvers? No, it's quality over quantity, and I think now we can very much say that Alessandri, if you don't want to put him over Silver, you've got to admit that he's at least second. Um, he's, in my eyes, I think he's the greatest 185 pounder. And doing that Pereira Balfour, you know, comparison, yes, of course, I remember how big a fight Silver and Balfour was at the time. The two Brazilian boys going at it, and how fucking insane it was that finish. But sometimes, you know, rivalry matters, feeling matters, great achievements matter. And to finally knock out Pereira after being on the receiving end of three losses, it just feels like it's a massive one for Israel Adesanya's legacy. And uh, hit me up, obviously, in the comments down here, as I always ask. But uh, for anyone listening on the free podcast, hit me up on Twitter at CombatCR. Let me know your thoughts. Is Israel Adesanya the greatest 185 pounder of all time? And what do you see Alex Pereira doing next? For me personally, hope he moves up to 205. But if not, then of course, you know, if he's going to get another win and then fight Adesanya, I think maybe he should have to fight Marvin Vittori next. I think that would be fine. I'm not sure if he wins it, but I do think that Vittori's chin's looking a bit suspect as a late. Not suspect, but suspect for him. A guy that's known, renowned for being hard as fuck. Um, so... What happens next? So that's my ideas for Pereira. I reckon he'd go up to 205. That'd be great. Um, better for his body at this age, not be cutting so much weight. As for Adesanya, you're going to laugh. Everyone thinks that a third fighter Whitaker's next. But the UFC have always talked about putting on a big uh, show in Africa. With the loss of Francis Ngannou and the uh, end of Kamaru Usman's prime, looked like that was going to be dead in the water. But you're telling me you wouldn't love to see... Israel Adesanya in Nigeria fighting Drikus Duplessis. Uh, you know, there's hardly anyone at middleweight he hasn't fought. It's an absolute shit show of a fight stylistically. Uh, Duplessis isn't really worthy of a title shot, but uh, given all the, the chow that he's come out with about being the only African fighter, and uh, you know, I'm sure he'll talk a big game. And Adesanya's got a big following. I've certainly seen it online in the last couple of days. Adesanya's got a really big following many of which have uh, ended up in my mentions for daring to say he isn't a perfect human being. Uh, we'll get to that in a second, but fuck it, do it. Let's just do it. Let's do a massive fight. It'd be absolutely great. It would be so much fun, such an amazing event. I'd love to see it. Still get Usman on the undercard against someone, you know, ranked, someone interesting. If he isn't retiring, um, I'm sure if nothing else, then they could give him someone that he could fight. And you know, I'm sure he'd want to fight in Nigeria. I think that'd be great, but... Let's fucking do it. Let's do Israel Adesanya versus Duplessis. I think that would be an absolute mess. And given the fact he's fought, what, Pereira back-to-back, might as well give him someone who's uh, going to let him you know, show his stuff again. And then, you know, Whitaker can fight someone else and or Whitaker can wait. I mean, I don't think Adesanya's going to be... He fights so regularly. This is my point with the amount of title fights he's had that he could probably fight Duplessis in fucking September and fit Robert Whitaker in in December or January, you know. So... Wicker doesn't necessarily need to fight in the meantime. So, plenty of options for both guys. Uh, I do think, you know, one thing I need to say, and I need to sort of, if you, you know, further elaborate on my thoughts on Adesanya's post-match comments about Alex Pereira's son. Yes, Alex Pereira's son trolled Izzy when he was in single digits. Now he's a bit older, and Adesanya decided to troll him after splattering his dad across the canvas. There was respect shown between Pereira and Adesanya after the fight, which I really, really liked. Great to see. But Adesanya said, I'm petty. That kid trolled me. Now I'm trolling him back. Look, Pereira is still fucking laid out on the floor. I'm brought... uh, It's brought to my mind about 
uh, Nigel Benn being told to calm down as he slagged off Gerald McLennan and said, you know, I think all us British are pussies, famously, um, while McLennan was suffering a traumatic brain injury. So maybe if you're going to troll the kid, do it in jest, apologise later, don't double down on it afterwards and say, yeah, I'm petty. What if you trolled that kid and his dad had never stood up again? Then it looks a bit different, doesn't it? You know, what? pick your moments. Afterwards, reach out to the kid. Say, you know, look, I'm getting you back. It was just in jest, but come on, kid. Me, you and your dad, let's have a chat. Let's, let's hash this out. It was just a bit of tomfoolery. Heat of the moment stuff. But no, he said, nah. nah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm petty and that kid was getting it. But for me, like, you're a fucking grown man. You're the... You're the greatest middleweight of all time. Why the fuck are you picking on a teenage kid? Because he dished you when he was in single digits. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's fucking bullshit. And the amount of people now in my, in my um, replies on Twitter saying like, oh, cope, cope, you're just upset. And I'm not upset. And one guy said to me, you like combat sports and this is what annoys you. Yes, I like consenting fights between skilled adults. I don't like said skilled adults and picking on a kid. I can't fucking stand kids. Some guy said to me, you're the kind of person that let your kid go mad on a plane or in the cinema. I'm fucking not. You don't know me. Anyone who follows me on Twitter knows I can't fucking stand kids. No, I fucking can't stand them on planes. I gladly boot them out. I hate parents who talk loudly to their kids and act like everyone gives a fuck. I hate it when people at work are like, oh, my kid did this at the weekend. I can't give a fuck. As long as your kid is happy and healthy, that's all that I care about. I care about friends of mine that have worked hard to get kids or love their kids. And, you know, I, I don't hate kids generally. I hate kids that are acting up. And I'm really, really appreciative of people who love their kids and I really want to know that the kids are doing fine. But don't tell me, oh, my kid's so clever at school. I don't give a fuck. That's not impressive. Don't impress no one. So I'm not into that sort of stuff. Yes, Prairie's kid was being a fucking prick. Just look at him. Glance at him. That's all you got to do. Don't fucking mock the kid when his, his dad might not get up. Obviously, you know, all said and done, it's fine. Um, Prayer and Adesanya have you know, exchanged pleasantries after the fight. Great respect between them. Seems like they're going to meet up, or at least they're talking about it. I, I hope they do. I hope they do. Um, Adesanya talking about the sort of no-tail leg kick that Prayer showed, uh, that throws, and he's like, fucking hell, I've got to learn how to do that. He said, maybe not train together, but it'd be great. I didn't get to see Brazil last time because you knocked me out. Maybe this is, you know, Pereira won the bout. He's 3-1 up in the series officially. Adesanya wins the bout back, gets the knockout. Maybe they are as content with their series as it's gone. And if that's the case, brilliant. It's obviously endlessly fascinating enough that I've spent nearly 35 minutes on this fight alone. So let's move on to some other notable stuff from this card. Me again, and let's not move on to some other notable stuff on that card. If you want that content, as I said at the beginning of the episode, head on over to www patreon.com slash combat chronicles thanks as always for listening hope you enjoyed this snippet hope it tempts you to go over and check out the extra stuff for the patron and if not hey give this podcast a five star rating review on your preferred podcast platform because that will really help combat chronicles become more visible to others until next time peace out have a great week thanks for listening
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.